I'm Jim Knight, co-founder of the Instructional Coaching Group, and you're listening to Coaching Conversations, where I talk with coaching experts from around the world so that all of us can learn better ways to make an unmistakably positive impact on the people around us. I'm excited to talk to Sherry St. Clair, who's a highly regarded instructional leadership consultant, author, and speaker with more than 20 years of experience in education. What I know about Sherry is especially her book, Coaching Redefined, which I think is a classic book. The full title is Coaching Redefined, A Guide to Leading Meaningful Instructional Growth. In this conversation, we talk about Sherry's ideas about what makes coaches effective. Uh, She talks about her uh, experiences working around the world. I love the conversation. I hope you find it useful too. Well, Sherry, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation and I'm, I'm looking forward to just exploring coaching a bit more. I, it's kind of cool to have this work we do where we have this community of other people who are learning different things along the way. And so I see this podcast as a way for us just to share what we're learning and, and you know, keep moving the ball forward with respect to having an impact on the quality of kids' lives and the learning of kids. I want to start with a a simple sort of introductory question. How did you get into this whole field of coaching in the first place? How'd you get here? First, let me say thank you for having me, Jim. It is a pleasure. I've really enjoyed getting to know you on a personal level the last several years and just, you know, following your work for years. But um, it has been helpful to me to get to see the behind the scenes and, and help myself grow through you. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. But in terms of getting into coaching, I think it was kind of just a natural um, progression for me. I I was an elementary school teacher. I was brought into high school to help in the area of instruction. I was an administrator there. We didn't have funding for a coach. Uh, At the time, I was reading your work on instructional coaching. And, uh, you know, seeing my quote at at your conference uh, this year was just a, a full circle moment for me because the, the person who helped me get started in this was um, honoring me, my work with, with a quote. So it, that, that's been neat. But in that work, um, in those first years of reading about it, and we couldn't hire an instructional coach, just didn't have the funding, and I knew our teachers needed support, I had to figure it out. And um, I really relied on your work and then knew that my role was different as an administrator than a person who on, only the responsibility in the school is the instructional coach. And so worked with that um, model for some time and played with it just in the school and figured it out the best I could. From there, um, I was asked to be a consultant at our state department, um, a job that I really was not my favorite, but um, at that time, my national work grew and I got into coaching schools um, in the, all across the country and, and internationally. And so uh, I have, I'm just passionate about this work. I love this work. It's not easy. There is nothing easy about coaching, but it's so meaningful when you get to see the impact it has on teachers um, leaders to help them be sustainable in schools and um, not burn out after a few years and students. I mean, it can make a huge difference in um, whether or not a child stays in school and is successful in school. So that's been my journey. And um, I cannot wait to see what the future holds. I feel like now I'm doing as much um, coaching in schools as I am trying to help other leaders 
rise to the top and, and do coaching themselves. That's fun. How would you describe what it looks like when you do coaching? If you're coaching a teacher, can you sort of take us through the whole process? Yeah, so my coaching um, is, I think, unique with each school. As you know, there's no two schools that are the same, but um, sometimes it is coaching teachers that I'm doing. I'm walking into a school and they're asking me to coach teachers. Sometimes I'm coaching um, instructional coaches and sometimes I'm coaching school administrators who are in charge of instructional leadership. All of those kind of look different in their models, but have some things in common too. Uh, first, we I, I really push the idea of a listening tour and trying to get those um, leaders to listen to those that they serve and then trying to find um, some needs that they have, some of the ones that rise to the top, grow them through strengths and, and um, just being intentional about our steps. I, I don't know that there's one formula that I'm you know, that's the, the hard thing about coaching is that there's never do this and always do this next and always do this next. But listening is definitely the thing that we should always do first. And uh, then trying to think about what those leaders that we're serving uh, need. I will say one thing that I do try to always do is not step over the person that I'm coaching. In other words, I, I'm always trying to make sure I'm not seen as the authoritative person in the room that they are, that I'm coaching them up, whether that person be that teacher, whether it be the instructional coach or the school administrator. I want to equip them with the skills and empower them to make the best decision for their school and their learning environment. Well, I wanted to tell you that I'm doing this uh, study this year with Marco Polo and I have uh, coaches and um, three from the United States and three from uh, uh, the rest of the world. One's in Bangkok and one's in Abu Dhabi and one's in Germany. And um, <clears throat> one of them has raved about the impact that your, your professional development had on her. She comes back to your ideas all the time, Christina, as a, a coach. And you'll meet her at um, TLC. She's going to be, all these people are sending me their information all all year and then at TLC I'm going to share well here's the story of six different coaches and what they did so you'll get a chance to meet this person but I can tell you you're like her favorite person she's really benefited from your from your help oh my goodness you know Jim <laughs> don't those kind of stories just warm your heart and yeah you know I'm a I'm a very I'm a private person I'm an introvert and I meet other introverts who um, are thrown into the world of, of leadership and it's kind of a different uh, world. So it, it took me a long time to walk through the fear of publishing. So to hear those stories and to know that it's having an impact on somebody across the world. Thank you. That that really means a lot to me. Well, maybe that, that's a good question to ask. What is a success story you could share with us where you've seen um, positive things happen as a result of coaching? Um, there's uh, the the reason that I believe in this work and is so passionate about it is because I see so many success stories. I, I really believe in the power of coaching. I think we all need a coach. I need a coach. I believe, you know, I, I believe all humans need a coach. Um, they can help us see things in ourselves that we, we can't see ourselves. But um, I guess I will share two stories there. One uh, of a child, um, an elementary age child, 
minority. When I first walked into that school, that, that classroom of that student, uh, I saw some issues with equity that were quite bothersome. Uh, to me and just, I mean, they, they just get to the core of me. And so um, as I share that, I want to make sure that I say that's not to mean any disrespect to that teacher because the teacher was following protocols that were set in place. The protocols were meant to be um, helpful, but they were really harmful at the heart of making uh, students feel empowered and respected and just just some things weren't right in there. But um, I coached that school for um, several months. And of course, part of my coaching is getting in the classrooms and seeing what's happening and um, looking for growth and helping the school leaders, whether those be the coaches or administrators, think about next steps. And this student, young student, had no idea who I was. But as I walked past their desk after several months of coaching in their, the school, that student just tapped me on the arm and said, it's getting better in here. And I about cried because I thought, you know, that child can feel what's happening in the school without any adult explaining to them that we're working to make things better for them, that they recognize that. And so, you know, when, when I talk about listening to students, that that was a powerful moment of affirmation that they were feeling some positive things happening in school. The other success story I'll share is one that I shared at TLC, and it was just a, a school administrator that I'd coach and that I'm still coaching, coached for several years pulled me into her data room. And, uh, you know, those aren't the most exciting places. Well, maybe they are for some people, but not, they're, they're not places I'm like, yes, let's, let's go sit in the data room. Um, but she said, come here, Sherry, right? As I walked in the door, I've got to show you something. And, and we stand in the middle of her data room and it's just filled with all sorts of data on the wall from um, you know, reading scores, math scores. She had uh, engagement data. She had uh, behavioral data. She had attendance data. She said, this is the first time in, I think it was seven years that she'd been there, that every piece of our data is headed in the right direction and growing in a positive way. And, you know, Jim, that does not happen by accident. It, you know, we will work and we'll get a reading score high and then our math scores fall or we'll get attendance high and something else falls. But to have everything moving in a positive direction tells you something is happening in that school that is sustainable and will um, have long lasting impact on growth. An Introduction to Instructional Coaching is an eight-week course that identifies the challenges, questions, and relationships that come with the role of instructional coach. Topics include role clarity, strategies and goals, how to enroll teachers in coaching, and how to best work with principals and administrators. To learn more, visit instructionalcoaching.com forward slash upcoming dash workshops. Yeah, it's pretty gratifying to see progress. And uh, and you also said... Uh, it's not easy. It's hard work. And um, it doesn't just happen by chance. So I wanted to ask you, what's a lesson you think all coaches need to learn? I'm sure people listening to this, some of them will be new coaches and 
maybe some who are, I'm still not where I want to be. I'm, I don't know if I'm where I want to be for that matter. But anyway, what's a, what's a lesson you think all coaches need to learn? Yeah, I'm, I know I'm not where I want to be. I, there's so <laughs> much more to, to learn in this field, isn't there? And so I, I guess one that I've really been studying on, on with this new book coming out is the power of the professional learning environment. And that's what I want um, coaches to, to pay attention to. It's not just that person in front of you that you're coaching that you need to be paying attention to. You really have to pay attention to the entire learning environment in that school and what it feels like to be a teacher in that school. Is professional learning honored? Is growth honored? Is failure honored? How do we grow other leaders in the school? How do we show respect for all teachers and their strengths? Um, sometimes when I talk about coaching through strengths, coaches will say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You, you start with a compliment and then you tell them what's wrong and you end with a compliment, but sandwich idea. But that's not what um, coaching through strengths means. And um, I, I feel like well, research is clear that that professional learning environment has a huge impact on teachers' growth and student achievement. And I, it's just something I think that we overlook sometimes. We don't see it as part of our job, but it is. We have to keep the whole organization growing or else um, we limit the growth of the school. Building on that idea. Well, not necessarily building on it, but to take it to another another level, maybe. Um, can you just give us three really practical things? <laughs> Could be a question or a coaching move or an idea, something where you say, well, this is really practical things for coaches to know or do or experience. So what comes to mind that would be three really practical things coaches could use? So one, the listening tour. That's one that I feel like... I, I would say dive into the idea of a listening tour. I am amazed at the number of people that come back to me and say, Sherry, that completely changed the trajectory of our coaching in our school. And it does, Jim, when, when we start to listen to not only our students, but our parents, our staff and our business community, and we talk to them about instruction and hear not only what they're saying to us, but what they're not saying to us. It really does make some things rise to the top that we don't think about. So start with a listening tour. If you're in the middle of the year and you can't do that full swing listening tour that I talk about in Coaching Redefined, do pieces of it and incorporate those in a sustainable way so you have a consistent method of hearing those equally that you serve. I'm going to interrupt for a sec. So the li so excuse me for doing that, but um, the listening tour is where we identify sort of stakeholders in the school and in the school community. And we sit down and we talk, we ask them questions and we try to learn what's happening all around the student. And, uh, and um, it gives you a real sense of what's happening with the teachers, but what the teachers are dealing with, but what the community wants and so forth. Is that, is that the idea? Do I have it right? Yes. Yes, you have it right. And um, in my book, and also you can find these on my, my website as well and link to the, the toolbox of the book are some questions that go along with the listening tour. All of them are focused on instruction and mm -hmm. all of them, and they've also incorporated the career skills and SEL skills, because I feel like we need to make sure that 
we uh, bring those in to the schools. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of education is educating the whole child. So though there's all kinds of questions there that you can pull from, definitely don't use them all. You will kill the person that you're interviewing, <laughs> but, but pick some of the most important right. ones and um, make them what you, you know, find out what you need to know. Right. Um, so, so listening to her would be one that I think that um, I would want people to pay attention to. Um, being intentional is another one. I think that's a, a step that I feel like I coach on quite often is peeling back the layers until you can get to a small intentional step. Uh, sometimes as coaches, we want to look for everything when we walk in the classroom or we want to coach on everything, but tr- uh, you know, that is not how humans change. And that's not how uh, research shows us that humans grow. We, grow. we grow by knowing what is that next step that we can take. And so as coaches, if we can really help teachers focus on one small step, and in our coaching, when we're walking into the classroom, we're looking for that one small thing, we can truly help a teacher. And then I guess um, that third step, and then kind of goes back to some of the things that I was talking about with the listening tour, it is to help schools move beyond state assessment scores. Um, that would be a, a practical piece of advice. I feel like that is a common issue that I see in schools is we are so ingrained to teach the, or to, to treat those state assessment scores as God. <laughs> and we really need to think about what, what is the purpose of school? What, what is that human that we're trying to create? And um, think about, are we incorporate? That's why I talk about the world economic form skills. We're trying to help a student be successful beyond school. And if we're only focused on a reading score and increasing a reading score, that doesn't mean we're teaching a student to love reading. So when they leave school, they might not be a lifelong reader or learner. We need to be thinking about how we are coaching the whole child. And um, that, that will have a positive impact on assessment scores. And so when I go back to that school administrator who showed me all data moving in the right direction, that is what we've done. We have stepped away from just saying, I am solely focused on doing well on this state assessment, but we are going to be focused on creating the best learning environment for students to thrive. And that means working with growth mindset, that means working with SEL, that means we are giving them skills such as analytical thinking and communication and collaborative work that are in those career career skills that students need. So move beyond those test scores. That won't happen overnight, but it will happen as you work on that professional learning environment. Sounds like you're, you're saying when teaching the whole child. Yes, we want students to achieve and learn, but we also want students to feel like belonging in school and have hope and positive experiences. And, and what I'm taking away from what you're saying, stop me if I'm reading into it, but it sounds like if you really want to have an impact on your scores, you have to deal with the whole child anyway. You're the really have the change you want to see. It won't happen if all you worry about is test scores. You have to worry about the human beings that are sitting in the classroom. 
Absolutely. I think that's true with students. And I think it's true with teachers. If teachers feel the only thing that are important to us are test scores, and that we don't care that they're father died last week, or that they're battling cancer, or that they have so many things on their plate, or they're trying to raise four children, their husband just left, you know, if we're not considering the whole adult as well in coaching, we're missing the boat. Um, I think this, this business is human growth, human growth to their fullest potential, whether that be students or adults. And um, we just need to keep that in mind as leaders in schools. Yeah, I love it. I love what you're saying. We're in total alignment on this, um, this, this whole thing. And I think it's particularly important right now in post-pandemic. Uh, people are they're dealing with an awful lot of things. They're not even conscious of it because everybody is dealing with stuff and it's, it's showing up in ways you don't necessarily connect it back to what we dealt with and what's going on, but it is, it's, it's, it's uh, certainly challenging times and challenging in ways we're not even really conscious of, I think is the thing. So here's my last big question. It's, what are you planning to present at TLC? And uh, I know it's uh, a year away, practically, like eight months away or something. Maybe it's less than that. But anyway, it's not till October. But um, what's your plan for presenting? Or And you may say, well, I'm still thinking that through. But what's your plan for now? I will say, well, I'm still thinking that through. But so the one thing that I've loved about TLC is that I have been given the flexibility to just speak on whatever rises as important at that moment. And I've loved being able to do that, Jim, for the last couple of years. But I imagine it will be something around this book that I'm in the middle of writing on intentional coaching and sharing some strategies for that. But I will will definitely not um, pin myself down to that this early. <laughs> I will say we'll see what rises from uh, coaches and the needs for coaches. You know, I think when I think the year that COVID uh, hit and we had to go virtual, I think that's when I turned to SEL because it, I knew that mm. we were going to be dealing with that at a heavier level. And so um, I'm going to say, let me see what coaches need by that time. And that's, right. that's the way I'm going to try to serve them best. Well, the thing is, we always think um, that purpose of the conference is for people to share what they've got that's most powerful to help coaches. So we, we don't want to tell people what to say. We say, give people what they need. And that attitude, I think, has worked out because I've learned enormously, um, although last, last year I ended up filling in and presenting the whole time. But um, I've learned enormously being able to attend. And, and I think hearing different voices, different perspectives, just just you know, enriches your capacity as a coach. It does. And, and what I enjoy about that conference is I, I enjoy presenting, but I also enjoyed sitting and listening. I tried to go to a session every um, time the doors were open and just soak in as much as I could. And, you know, that's, uh, it's a great opportunity to hear from some great thought leaders in the field. So thank you, Jim. Thanks for being there. Sherry, thank you for everything. I can't wait to see you in October, but we don't have to be strangers in between now and then. Um, so let's stay in contact. Good luck with the book. I know writing is, uh, it's as challenging as coaching at least because you, you're always looking at it and you go, oh, this could be so much better. And eventually you've got a book, but it's, it's, it's a hard job. So good luck with your job. But mo- most importantly, thank you for all, all the g- good stuff you're doing for coaching. I'm looking forward to seeing you in October. Thank you, Jim. This well.